0: So we're gonna deal with Kobe's high school years. And the first thing that comes to mind when I think of his high school years is confidence. When we think of Kobe Bryant, we think of ultimate confidence. We think of confidence that almost seems like it's not based in reality. He thinks he can score every time down the court. He takes impossible shots that no one else in their right mind would take. And we know he thinks he can hit every single game winner. He's going to dominate the competition and he has no doubt about this. He carries himself with his chin slightly up. You see something similar sometimes in Barack Obama with the chin up. Now, when we think of Kobe, again, there's this fearless confidence. But I think if you dig a little deeper, there is actually a core fear there. And what is this core fear that he has? He's scared to not have confidence, he's fearful to feel any sort of weakness. It stems, ironically, again, his superiority, you might say, his feelings of superiority from an absolute dread and loathing of inferiority. You can learn from this. In psychology, we call it picking the opposite. We have something we fear, so we consciously choose to pick the opposite feeling. Or perhaps if we have a natural talent for it, we unconsciously choose to do it. So you're out at a bar, you see someone you want to go talk to, you feel... The shyness, what's the opposite of shyness? It's boldness. So out of your fear and detest of being shy, you act bold. Sometimes this comes across, and we've seen this in Kobe, as maybe overdoing it, exaggerating it. It's not a natural, effortless confidence like maybe Michael Jordan had, but there's still a confidence there however he got there. I think Kobe's self-belief stems from an absolute hatred and despising of being weak and small and thinking of yourself as weak and small. And the truth is, if you have a choice between being confident and being sort of a mouse, a little scared mouse, what should you choose? I mean, is there really a choice between confidence and no confidence? If you're an honest person, the only way to go through life is to have confidence. And I think Kobe, at a very young age, intuited this. He's copying what it means to be a champion and it looks awkward at first. We always say, as I've talked about in this and at other channels, who cares? You have to be bad to be first. You have to look awkward to be graceful. It takes time. If you're scared to look bad, if you're scared to try new things, if you're scared, for instance, to work on your offhand, you're scared to miss layups in a pickup game because you're working on your left hand if you're right-handed, you're never gonna be great. If you're not unafraid to be bad, then you have no chance. You have to be bad before you can be good. And we'll touch upon this in a second because it's really important. Sometimes people who are supremely confident and want to be great, they're so scared to look bad that they never get better. So they have these visions of being an excellent player, but you know who they are. They show up at a game and they they always have a little injury or a little sickness or something happened as an excuse for why they won't play well. You know and I know, the truth is they're just saying that so if they don't perform great, they have something to fall back on. Someone as talented as Kobe Bryant still went out there and put himself on the line, put everything on the line fearlessly. Kobe starts getting recruited, he's flying all over the country, and one of his teachers said, Kobe would miss days in class, but he always showed up with his assignments. He never missed an assignment. You guys can learn from that. A lot of you guys are in high school, Some of you guys are out and you're weekend warriors and you just want to keep getting better, which is fantastic. That's what I do. I still want to get better and I don't play competitively. It's all about exploring your potential. Well, you probably have a job. Don't miss assignments. Be the best you can be at everything you do. And it seems like Kobe was that way. So we see this responsibility, attention to detail, getting things done. And that is a direct, there's a direct Translation from his ability to finish these assignments, even though he's traveling, and his ability to work hard day in and day out. His ability, when he's traveling in the NBA, to keep his workout schedule, to find gyms he can go practice in, even when he's on the road. Because, you know, sometimes you're on the road and the facility you, the visiting team, gives you to get some shots up, maybe it's the actual arena, isn't available. They have something else going on there during the day, you know, some arenas have a hockey game in the afternoon and then the basketball game at night. I get questions all the time at basketball. I'm I'm on vacation. I'm going on vacation. What should I do? Do your research. Find a way to get your workout in. We see the responsibility and now we're going to shift a little bit and we're starting to see something I've found in every athlete that's attained greatness. A bit of paranoia. Yes, they're paranoid. And that paranoia is made useful. It's made pragmatic by turning it into challenges. So, Kobe was lucky to have a high school coach, Greg Downer, and Greg Downer would tell him, hey, there's some local guys around here who are better than you. And Vince Carter, last year, he took his team to, in Florida to the state championship with a broken elbow. You lost the state championship as a junior. He's pushing Kobe. He's challenging Kobe, and Kobe loves this. We always talk about that basketball brain that your motivation – has to be from within, 95% of it. That you love the game, that's why you play. That's when you were a kid, you couldn't leave the driveway because you were just shooting shots all day. You loved the game, you loved watching, you loved everything about it. That's the main reason you work hard. That's the main reason Kobe worked hard. He loved basketball. However, you need those challenges. You need that fuel. I just did a video on this. You need that fuel. You need the doubters. You need the competition. That paranoia, that You're going to go go into a game and get embarrassed by the competition. Kobe felt this acutely, and that paranoia, that fear, keeps you in the gym longer, wakes you up earlier, keeps you up later. You're the first guy in and the last one to leave. Kobe had this at a very, very young age. In fact, according to Kobe's high school coach, the paranoia of somebody being better than him, I'm using the phrase paranoia, not the coach, but his high school coach said Co- he, would, he would meet Kobe at the gym at 6 a.m. for workouts and daily shooting sessions that entailed Bryant making, making 1,000 jump shots. Think about that, making 1,000 jump shots. We're going to come back to this work ethic again and again and again. And if you're listening to this, you need to start getting it. It's, it's talking to you. I'm not talking about Kobe Bryant. I'm talking about you. I want you to be like Kobe. No matter what you do, to work that hard. Guys are always asking me. I also own an, my main company is I work with entrepreneurs and just regular people who want to achieve success. But in basketball, when people ask me, you know, how can I get better? My first question is, how many shots a day do you shoot? Most say zero or two hundred or something like that, and I'm just like, you guys got to get real, man. If you want to be rare, if you want to be successful. You've got to put in those reps. When we say hard work, what do we mean by hard work? What is hard work? Let me give you a definition of hard work. It means doing repetitions every single day, so many, that when the pressure's on, you don't have to think about performing the activity. You can just do it and perform on automatic. That's what doing reps means. That's what hard work means. And what's really great about becoming this type of person, again, I'm doing these so you can learn from it, so you can start to model Kobe. So your psychology and your work ethic can start to mirror somebody who's figured out what it takes to succeed. In fact, one of his teammates, this is uh, Robbie Schwartz, who we're going to get to more again later, because there's a great story about him and Kobe. And he said, this is a direct quote from him. One thing I took from Kobe is that His work ethic is part of who I am today. I was a skinny little dude in high school. Now I've been competing in physique competitions for about two and a half years. People say, man, you're relentless in how you work. But I realized it all goes back to driving to Lower Marion at 5 a.m. before school because Kobe wanted to get some practice in. When you're 17, you don't appreciate it as much, but that's something that's really stayed with me and become part of who I am. You don't know it, but if you're working that hard, you're influencing other people. There was a guy where I went to high school. His name was Matt, and I saw him when I was a sophomore, a freshman, shooting three-pointer after three-pointer after three-pointer, and I go, oh, that's why he's so good. It sounds crazy, but you might not realize that repetition and hard work is the source of people's skill. You might just think it's all natural talent, and you don't know it, but there are people watching you. Eventually, you're going to have kids, likely, and they, they need to see somebody who knows how to work hard. You have friends who you're influencing. They don't know it. The guy shooting three-pointers at my high school who was just shooting and shooting and shooting, I don't think he realized how much he influenced me. I had no idea. This sounds crazy. I had no idea that you become great by doing something over and over again. You know, I'm 14, 15 years old. But from that, when I speak, when I write, when I run my business, I realize I got to get those reps in. Reps are hard work. And the reason we do hard work, the reason we put in the reps is so we can perform under pressure. And the amount of reps we put in is fueled by love. And Kobe had the love for the game and is fueled by paranoia. If you're in business, it means the competition's going to put you out. It means that in basketball, you're afraid that your opponent's going to outscore you and humiliate you. That's part of it, too. After they, they lost his junior year, Kobe said, That will never happen again. We're going to win it next year. Whatever it takes, we're going to come back and win. He also gave these great speeches. He's learning how to lead, he's learning how to get the best out of the people around him. Now, this is something he even struggled with in the NBA. So he's not a master at it. It doesn't come naturally to him, but he had moments, even at a young age, where he knew how to inspire people. Probably, again, looking at them as tools, still looking at them as tools, we'll see this in just a second, but he's trying to motivate those tools <laughs> to perform at their absolute best. We can look at an example of that before a semifinals game. And he had just broken his nose and he had a plastic one of those masks on when you break your nose. And as he's talking, he got so worked up, he threw the mask against the wall, you know, and was cursing and getting everybody pumped up, and it worked and it worked and that's the type of attitude that's the type of demeanor you have to have we're going to see him go after his teammates motivate them sometimes really physically sometimes talking a lot of trash we'll see it with Gasol we'll see it when when he came back from injury we'll see it with Dwight Howard we're going to see this again and again and again with Kobe that whatever it takes to motivate people he's going to do. And I suppose I mean by whatever it takes is his style is he's going to get in your face and you either step up or you break and you leave. That's it. The NBA stands for no boys allowed, and they talk to each other like men. So Kobe's going to come at you, and if you can't take the heat, get out the NBA. (laughs) You know what I mean? So that's already there. You're seeing all these qualities that are going to make Kobe Kobe. And let's not completely overlook his teammates. His teammates responded to this, and it takes a special group of people to be able to put up with somebody that's that demanding and domineering. But they could see in Kobe somebody who was dedicated. And I think that's what allows Kobe, even in the NBA, to really really push guys. If you're the first one in, the last one to leave, and your work ethic is insane. Every one of his teammates, I should point out, in every interview I read, talked about Kobe's work ethic. And they also wanted to help him. One guy, Robbie Shorts, who we mentioned earlier, said, in practice, we'd put two guys on Kobe, and I'd be one of the guys guarding him, and we would just nag the shit out of him. Our goal was to nag him to death, to pester him as much as possible. So they're doing the best they can to replicate an in-game situation for Kobe. I talk about my personal experience, I had a teammate, Brandon, I've mentioned this before, who just hounded me in practice. Nothing dirty, but if I went up for a jump shot, he was in my face, he was poking me in the stomach, he was hitting my legs, pushing me off balance. Again, nothing dirty, not going to injure me, but it helped me. I wasn't the best player in the world, but I'll tell you, when I got in the games, there were very few people that really got to me. They could put their hand in my face. I'd seen it all before at a greater degree because of my teammate, Brandon. So His teammates and his coaches are all integral in helping Kobe become who he is, not just the NBA player, but a great high school player. You need to seek out those people who are going to help you, and Kobe does this throughout his career. He's looking for guys to push him in practice and in scrimmage and in one-on-one so he's ready for the game. They always say, Jordan says it, Kobe says it, Bird says it, Magic says it, LeBron says it. We go so hard in practice so it makes the game easier. I talked about how he saw people as tools and this killer instinct, this competitiveness. We were talking about Rob Schwartz, that player, and we'd come back to him. Now, I want to give you an anecdote from Kobe's high school because it gives you an, an idea into his psychology that he's not just playing basketball. He's sort of like a knight. In the old days, knights would square off and have these fights, and it was to the death. And it was about honor, and it was about not feeling ashamed and not being embarrassed, and it was really life or death. And Kobe approaches basketball like it's life or death. So Robbie Schwartz tells the story. They're doing a drill, and uh, they're coming down. Robbie says, I'm thinking to myself, what a perfect time to use Kobe as a decoy, because why would anyone think I'm going to take this shot? So I drive, I fake passing the ball to Kobe, and I shoot a layup which I miss. The other team gets the ball and scores, and Kobe loses his mind. He literally loses his mind. Another teammate continues the story and says, Kobe glared at Robbie for the next hour and 27 minutes of practice. He did not take his eyes off him from one minute, even during water break. Driving home later, I stop at a light, I hit the steering wheel and go, I get it now. This is what makes him great. Okay, that's a really great insight into Kobe's mentality, that this isn't just fun and games, that this is who I am, that I am a basketball player. Yes, but basketball is my entire life and you made the wrong choice by not giving me the ball. I'm not saying you can't shoot when you have no other option, but even my bad shot is probably better than your layup. So Kobe's looking at this person like a tool that malfunctioned. Have you ever tried to use something like your computer and it keeps freezing and you just wanna pick it up and smash it? Okay, Kobe's looking at his teammates like that in the basketball context. You're a tool, you're not functioning, I wish I could pick you up (laughs) and smash you. So this story doesn't end here. Robbie Schwartz says, so fast forward a week or two later, we're doing another drill, I'm coming down I do the same play, but this time I make the layup. So this guy, a little aside, I like this guy, Robbie. He has some, you know, cojones. So So I take the ball out of the basket. I kind of throw it at Kobe. This guy, this kid's insane. This kid's nuts. Now I'm running back down the court, pumping my arms like I'm the man. But my teammates who are facing me are pointing with all their eyes really wide. Now, I don't know why. This is like God intervening. I turned around just in time as the ball is flying toward my face. I duck matrix style and dodge it, but Kobe threw the fucking ball at me. <laughs> Sorry to curse, but I don't think that story comes across as well if I don't curse. I don't curse that much in my regular life, but that's a funny story. But again, it's not just basketball. It's life or death. It's what this. it's, what it's about. Now, I have things that I talk about in the full Basketball Brain program, where yes, when you're playing, it's life or death, but you need to be able to separate yourself from the actual game. Like, if you have a bad game, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. And that actually helps you when you separate those two, play more loosely in the clutch, helps you make more shots in the clutch, you can perform poorly, and you're still a decent human being, you're still a good person, you're still kind to old people, you're still good to kids, and that's all that really matters. I think to put this in another another context a lot of nba guys say you know i was so disappointed about the way the game went and then i get home and i see my kids and it kind of puts it all in context so you have to have two ideas of yourself it's you as the person and you as the player well kobe as the player his self was so, his self esteem was so wound up in the game that a loss really hurt him and if you're a competitor after you lose It's like it hurts, you know, because that it's like you've put in so much work and people say, well, you work so hard. And at least you know that it doesn't matter. It still takes it out of you. But again, it's all about nights. It's all about honor. It's all about fighting to the death. There are other stories, too, such as his coach guarding him. You know, his coach is guarding him. He's like 35 years old and Kobe has no chill. He's killing his coach. And his coach says, well, I realize then he doesn't care who's in front of him. Me, a high school player, he is not going to back down at all. Again, take from this. Learn from this. In basketball, and life, I see so many guys that go up against bad competition and dial it down. Destroy the bad competition. <laughs> you know? Keep that mindset because if you keep that mind, that attack mode, well, you don't want to ever turn that off. You shouldn't be able to flip it on and off. It doesn't matter if you're playing the worst team in the league or the best team in the league. You're playing the same. Westbrook's great at this. Sometimes he overtries, as we always talk about, but it doesn't matter who he's playing against. He's going super hard. Kobe was the same way. Iverson's the same way. Jordan's the same way. It's fun to watch those guys because you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a consistent product. It's like a restaurant you always go to, and the food's good every time. Yeah, that's what those guys are. They're restaurants where the food's good every time. When you're talking about the psychology of greatness, a lot of the times they're great, but it comes down to being consistently great. That's what separates them from the guys that play good a few games out of the year, but then have really awful games for a stretch, you know? So that's something to consider. I wanted to end on this because I think it epitomizes what Kobe was in high school. I think it epitomizes who he'll be, I think it epitomizes what he thinks reality is about. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but it ties everything together. There was a story Phil Jackson started the rumor that in high school, Kobe would on purpose let teams stay close so he could make game winners and take game winning shots. Now this sounds like Kobe was just doing this for the glory, right? That he's a glory hound and in the NBA, he was gonna take the shot if the clock was winding down for sure but I don't think he did it for the glory, at least not totally. What do we know about Kobe? What did we just talk about? This paranoia, right? He wants to be great, but he has this paranoia. The paranoia is that somebody else is going to be better than him. What's Kobe's belief about reality, about what it takes to succeed? Kobe's belief about what it takes to succeed is repetition. Hard work is repetition. The reason we work hard The reason we get these reps is so in pressure moments, we don't have to think, we can just act and perform. Without the repetitions, we don't have the confidence. Without the repetition, Kobe doesn't have his confidence. So the irrational confidence is an exaggerated confidence, but it's based, its foundation is on hard work. When you have irrational confidence that's not based on hard work, then it's irrational in all caps. That means you're insane. That means you're delusional. So I don't think Kobe was seeking glory when he kept the games close, if this happened. But the story, some people say this isn't true. Some people say it isn't true. But none of us just heard that and thought, there's no way that's not true. (laughs) We know Kobe Bryant. It seems possible he could keep the games close so he could hit a game-winning shot. But again, I think, of course, he wanted the glory, but I think he wanted the reps. He wanted to be in pressure situations so he could test himself, so he could perform, so he could get used to it. If you have a phobia, the best way to get over a phobia is exposure to it, to keep going into those situations. It's not to avoid it. If there's a knock on LeBron's game, it's early in his career. He wasn't great under pressure. But you can see over the years, as he's been in those situations over and over and over again, he's getting better in the clutch. He's exposing himself to it. And he goes, you know, it's really not that bad to take the ball and shoot it when the clock's winding down. In fact, the rewards outweigh the risks. So what if you miss the game winner? People forget about it in two days. If you make a game winner, that's on repeat forever. (laughs) People remember it forever, and they forget your misses. So as LeBron learns this, as he exposes himself to that environment, he gets more and more comfortable in that environment. I think if that story is true, if Kobe was doing that, taking those game-winning shots, keeping the game close so he could, I think he was getting clutch reps up. And that ties everything together. It builds his confidence, it describes what he thinks about hard work, it touches on his paranoia, and it shows that he has visions of greatness. So let's end there with his high school years, and we're gonna go into the NBA next. Kobe jumps from high school to the NBA. We're going to see him model. We're going to see him model Michael Jordan. We're going to see him steal some more from genius. And it's really exciting. There are some things that happened in Kobe's early years in the NBA that I love. And it might surprise you to find out what it is I love about Kobe's early years. In fact, one thing is my favorite Kobe memory, and we'll touch on that in the next audio. My name's Dylan. I run Basketball Brain. I also do this for business. I use psych training. Check out the full program at basketballbrain.com. It will improve your game. I hope you enjoyed this audio. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.